So have you ever had one of those I had to go to Dollar General twice days? We live really close to a Dollar General and doesn't everyone if you don't live close to a Dollar General right now, just wait five minutes. Exactly. They're probably building one. So I started the day I woke up this morning as a trampoline for my eight year old son and my dog. Because because dad never gets to sleep in. Everyone else gets to sleep in when dad has to wake up early. But that's really not the point. So I got up and it was time to make breakfast and I was going to make muffins for everyone. And I needed to go get cooking spray for our muffin tin, you know, to spray inside the cups so the muffin doesn't stick. So I drive around the corner to Dollar General, you know, the hair's all wild. Well, what's left of it is all wild because I just woke up (laughs) and get my cooking spray, get back to the house, you know, half asleep, still in slippers. So you wore the correct attire for Dollar General. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of dressy, really. (laughs) Um, Go to get the measuring cup out to add the milk to the muffin mix and we had drank the last of the milk at dinner the night before. So I had to hop back in the car and go back to Dollar General. And it's just been that kind of day ever since. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. Welcome to episode 30, the big 3-0. Soccer chat's having a midlife crisis, shopping for motorcycles. Looking to see if we can get ourselves a soccer chat tattoo. Yes, for sure. Which, by the way, I saw on Twitter that some uh, member of the flock has gotten themselves a flock tattoo. That's gutsy in lower league soccer. I know that they've gotten good crowds, but that's gutsy. Congrats. So, big weekend this last weekend, which could have started off really, really poorly for us. Um, what did you think when you looked at that, uh, ter- that lineup, like when it first came out, what was your first thought? My uh, first thought, I tweeted a picture of Elaine Bennis dancing on Seinfeld, and that's basically how I felt. Once I, once I pulled that up, um, I had to work late, so I had to watch this game on tape delay. It was it was quite a day Friday, but I did take a peek to see what the lineup was going to look like, and uh, I was just thrilled. Finally had a chance to kind of change things up, to see players on the field in places where it felt like they were going to affect the game in a positive, positive direction. Um, so I was really excited to see what that was going to look like with all of them on the field. And watching the game... I felt pretty positive about the result of having that sort of formation, even though we didn't get the overall result we were looking for in a two-two draw. In a two-two draw, yeah, we still had the same stuff that's plagued us kind of all year—just stupid fouls. That this time, two stupid fouls that created both scoring opportunities for them, not taking anything away from that second goal that they had, which was just beautiful. Uh, but they should have never had that opportunity because there was no need for the foul that was given in my opinion, but yes. And it plays into looking forward. They have a lot of trouble with people running at them. Top speed, trying to get in front of them, trying to separate them from the ball, trying to get in their path and force them to pass the ball somewhere else. 
you look back at giving up the late goal to Orlando, uh, you know, just how they kind of started on the back heel their first time in Lansing. And that was these two opportunities where just a guy got the ball, started running as fast as he could dribbling it, and people were not able to cut him off. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, um, yeah, let's, let's you know, looking at, you know, we'll get more into detail about, about the goals, but, you know, continuing on what you talked about on the team sheet, I was really excited as well. Um, the only thing, they had all the players that I would like to have seen in there, except I would have liked to have seen Ami get the start. Um, and I would have liked to have seen him, you know, play. <laughs> um, but I, th- I can't complain. I mean, I've, been, I've been begging for them to bring a lineup that looks like they're trying to win and it looks like they are going all in. I mean, we've only, you know, going up to that game, had five games left. We've now got four. Um, Zide played a whole game. I didn't see that coming. Uh, I was trying to figure out how they were going to take him off halfway through. Uh, right. So overall, I was very happy. I, w- I felt like it was one of those things where they made a decision to, to put out a better, a better lineup. Now, the conspiracy theorist in me is like, well, I guess Yaya and... Um, Alexi just don't have their uh, passports. Um, but uh, I'm hoping it's just a matter of they wanted to put the best lineup out there. Well, I, I will say that there is not much conspiracy to that. I believe with some of the younger players, uh, some of the other players that are they're just they're in America from a foreign country, they've got particular visas traveling to Toronto. There were some some restraints on who they brought and, and what kind of team they put together. But just the fact, I mean, from the the 11 that started the game, they could have very easily put that into that same 4-3-3 formation. Yeah. And played an incredibly negative game that might have ended up 2-0 because Toronto was still going to run at them and press high and cause those things to happen. So that that they switched up that alignment and came out really looking for a chance um, and I, I'm watching the game. They had those opportunities. I was constantly commenting to my wife. Oh, look, there's someone in the center of midfield to try to stop the ball. Oh, look, they hit a cross and there's three people in the box. There were a lot of opportunities that um, prior to the penalty that got Toronto its first goal that we could have gone up. Like I felt like we played the most... Um, Another one of those games where they we came out aggressive, and I thought we were going to have one or two of those opportunities become goals. I think Sino uh, Sioni had a really good game in so much as he was going towards the goal frequently. He wasn't hesitating. He wasn't one of the things that has been a frustration of mine for this team is they have a tendency to overthink before they take their first move or that first move being backwards. And that's not what I saw in this game, which made me very happy. Uh, Very much agree. We had 11 shots inside the box, five shots on target. That's, that's incredible. When you look at the averages that the team has through the season. Yeah. Uh, And I I agree with you. I think Cito, one of the things that uh, always drives my wife nuts watching any soccer game is the how players wait and wait and wait for that ball to be on an absolute silver platter before they pull the trigger and take a shot. And so one of my favorite things in watching Cito Sayon is that he is not scared. 
once he sees a window, he is pulling the trigger and taking the shot and putting pressure on the goalkeeper, hoping maybe for a rebound that someone can jump onto. Um, so that's that's always fun to see, and I do. I think he had a good game. I think Greg Hurst had a great game running around, constantly getting in um, into good areas. Um, and I think the pairing of Stephen Beattie and Eamon Zide was pretty good up front, up top. Yeah, I mean, they did get both the goals. Now, granted, Stevens was at the, at the spot, but um, no, I think I agree with that. The only thing I would have liked that I think did work better was when he moved um, – Hurst from the left to the right. I think that that paired up a uh-huh. little bit better. Uh, I also felt that Hurst had a very good game. It's only in my mind it, if it's not the game if it's not in Lansing just because of the ridiculous pitch that they'll be on. Uh, I expect he will be getting one or two goals in the next four games. Uh, he's been really close a couple times now. Uh, sure. His um, he's similar to Cito in that he doesn't look for the perfect situation. He's looking for a scoring opportunity. And it may not be perfect, but he's going to take the shot. And I think when we've got as many as we had in the box like we did in this game, that works out well. Like That's going to result in, especially if you've got Zide, who is really good with just, he's got that poacher's mentality. Right. I I want them to be taking those shots with hoping for a rebound, hoping for a, a, a a loose ball off the keeper's hands or a mistake made by a defender where he kicks it away from his keeper that was going to be controlling it, which happens throughout when you're attacking, right? We haven't had that opportunity up to now because we haven't been attacking. Now, what's going to be super disappointing for me is if we go into Lansing, we go right back to what we were doing before because that hasn't worked. And let's be honest, the Lansing game is one of those where they're going to score on us. So we've got to be ready to score uh, based off their recent history. So, I think I like the lineup a lot. I like the formation. I would like to continue to see it. Now, that said, it wasn't all perfect, right? Now, for me, I still felt, especially in the second half, I felt like we kind of got a little slow or tired. And for some reason, he didn't go to Ami, which really was confusing to me. Did you feel that way at all? Uh, yeah, in general. I mean, the game had kind of an up and down. It was back and forth. Uh, they were running at each other uh, end to end. And so it made sense that they started to kind of get a little tired towards the end of the match. Um, I would have loved to have seen Ami come on. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know that he really is kind of a wing player. I think he's someone that would play more centrally in the midfield. Um, but I don't think it would have hurt anything to have either Connor Doyle or, or Willafi brought on or brought off to replace for Ami Pineda to bring that extra energy. And I felt the same way, really. Um, you know, Jose, Swo- Jose Soto, I've got my audition for League One announcer. Jose Soto is another one who I think has played really well lately. I was kind of hard on him a few weeks, well, maybe a couple months back, earlier in the season, about how it felt like he was constantly passing the ball back Um, not looking to get forward, but as he's moved into kind of a bench role himself, as he's coming off the bench into these games, he's looked a lot more ready to attack and to move forward and to put the ball in dangerous areas, which he's very good at doing. Um, He only had five minutes. We didn't make a substitution until the 85th minute of the match. That made zero sense That confused me a lot. Nothing more than just, we've got a pretty good chance. We're getting chances in the box. Let's get a couple of fresh legs into this game and get a little more energy and see if we can turn this tide. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen, because I started noticing probably around the, really I noticed it probably right after their goal in the 72nd minute. Um, 
that I felt like UEFA had just hit a wall. And mm-hmm. he just didn't have the legs on him that he had early in the game. I thought he played a very good game early in the game. And that said, I think late in the game, he was the reason that he did a backpedaling with a one-on-one situation, was able to slow him down enough for uh, us to ultimately end a, a breakaway that they had. So it's not that it was he was terrible in the second half. I just felt that substitution was one I kept waiting for it to happen. Sure. Because we were already down at that point. Like, we, Uefi is definitely a defensive-minded midfielder, and Ami traditionally seems more offensive-minded. So it just seemed like a natural replacement, and I was very confused as to why it wasn't happening. So Walefi Dos Race is the only other player besides goalkeeper Alex Mangles that has played every minute of this season. And Connor that's Doyle. Connor Doyle is he he was subbed off once. He's played all but eight minutes of every match he's been in, and of course had one game where he had to serve a yellow card suspension. Um, but yeah, well, Afey has basically been the guy. I think the only other person that might have done that was possibly Richard Dixon had he stayed healthy. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. I just, I, do you feel he's played, and this is not a knock on him, because I think he's played relatively well, but has he really played well enough to have never come off? There, there are times where I really would like to see more from him, especially one who has been talked about as much as he has as a guy who's garnering interest from teams in championship. He had a pretty good pedigree of playing with Swope Park Rangers and playing uh, club soccer in Brazil. There are times where it just feels like soft giveaways, uh, times where he's in a bad position. Um, so, yeah, that's it's not necessarily someone that I would look at and say, oh, this guy has really been the catalyst for us and there's no reason to ever take him off. Right, yeah, that's kind of where I come at. And also, typically midfielders are not someone who stays on all the time, 100% of the time either. Like, it's a, it's a heavy position. Like, you're... Sure. You're, he, and he plays an active role. That's what's surprising to me. It, it, you know, all that said, we, other than the Orlando game, we don't give up a ton of post-75th minute goals. So maybe I'm just way in left field here thinking he's just slowing down a lot at the end. But it seems like that to me. Um, but uh, it, you know, that's nitpicking, in all honesty. I felt like we were you know, one really bad defensive play away from winning this game and putting ourselves in really good position. Um, so going from that, do you have anything else you want to say about the Toronto match? you think anything that we need to point out? I would just say overall, I mean, like I said, knowing that we didn't get the winning result, the change that we made, it felt to me watching it, that it really did have a positive effect on what they were trying to do. And I believe the players came out with a attacking mindset, knowing to themselves, Hey, we want to get to this playoff and uh, we need to win this game. And so they came out and they looked like they were looking to play, to win, to score, moving the ball forward and not being reckless. Um, You know, there, there still were some times where they dropped back a little bit into their into their shell and not high pressing. Um, <laughs> I heard the announcer say something about a false press that made me that made me smile. I hope <laughs> that's something that's a new thing now. Maybe we can invent the false press. Oh man, that yeah. The the my favorite thing. This announcer he does a pretty good job actually. He may have a lot yes. of mispronunciations, but because they're in Orlando, they are just slightly delayed on their excitement when things happen. <laughs> and that's that's entertaining to me. But no, I thought overall, like, like we've been pretty critical of the announcing, mainly because of pronunciation issues. Uh, 
I thought it, it, it was good. I, I really did enjoy it. Um, considering it was a 4 o'clock in the afternoon game, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, it wasn't bad. Uh, camera angle was a little different just because it's a little lower to the ground, but sure. overall not bad. Yeah, so, no, I, I like to make fun of the mispronun- mispronunciations, but the, uh, the it's a hard job. They're there by themselves. They're having to fill 90 minutes of talking. And I, I give them all credit for yeah. being able to do that. I still wish they would stop trying to sell someone who's already watching ESPN Plus on ESPN Plus, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably for the people that have the free trial. Yeah, gotcha. All right, so let's look a little bit around the league. Uh, ultimately... Like I've referenced earlier, it started off bad, right? Four o'clock, come come six for me, six fifteen. I'm a little bit depressed. We only got a tie. It, I'm looking at the games, thinking, okay, here's what we need to have happen, and it's as if all the teams in League One listened because everything I thought needed to happen happened. Greenville Thanks, lost, guys. and uh, there was a tie between uh, between Madison and uh, Tormenta. Tormenta. So. I'm feeling pretty good. And the other reason that I'm feeling pretty good, and I sent this to you as well, there, like I referenced, I don't know if it was last time or the time before, but that sportsclubstats.com has a really cool what if, chances based off of how Chattanooga finishes out the season. And if we go 4 0, they're claiming we basically control our destiny. We have a 100% chance of making the playoffs. That's, a, that's pretty good. Now, here's why I'm really yeah. excited, though. We go three zero and one, which means we lose, and I'm assuming the losses to Lansing because they're pretty much sewn up that second place. We're still at eighty eight percent chance of playoffs, so it's in. It's the opportunity is there. Now the question is, do you think those two possibilities, winning at least three games and maybe even four, is even a chance? Okay. I think it's I think it's obviously a possibility, but I would I'm very cautious. So, of course, there's Lansing right now. We've got a, we've got a draw at home, and we had a loss on the road to Lansing. We have to go play them on the road again, and they are hot. I mean, they they beat Tucson like a rented mule, five nothing on Friday night, and they have been playing very well, and it's. The players that are playing well, well are the players who had the most impact on us uh, in that game we played in Lansing a while back where we lost to them. Rafa Mincigan, Toomey, uh, I can't think of his last name, but he's, he's very good, very dangerous. Uh, they play that high-pressing style that tends to give our defense trouble. Um, and then you look at, we've got Orlando, Richmond, Toronto. We have... Two wins, four draws, and a loss in those three games. So it's hard to just assume, oh, they're the bottom of the league. We're just going to beat those guys. That's not going to be a problem. Well, and Richmond's been playing very well. Yeah, there you go. Again, Richmond is another team that's very hot. They are not mathematically eliminated. And so they are telling themselves, look, if we continue to play hard and beat these teams, we're going to find ourselves in the playoffs. They're not going to just curl up and let us beat them second to last game of the season. No, and I, and I agree with you in so much as it's there's not anything given on that. I do think the Orlando game should be simple, right? I think See, th- that's fine. You can say that. You've said that twice, and we've had two draws 
against them. Right, but I think it's more of the fact that um, that it's the very end of their season. Their season's over already. They don't really have anything to play for, and they're not at home. I just don't see that being being the issue. I do think this Lansing game will set the tone. I mean, Lansing's won five games in a row, right? Um, and they've been very, very dominant in those games, and I think that's going to set the tone. If we can go into Lansing and even get out of there with a tie, I think we come away feeling pretty darn good about ourselves. Because if right. you look at their last games, you know, 5 nothing to Tucson, 4-1 to one to North Texas – you know they two to one Orlando and three nothing Orlando. I didn't think much of those Orlandos, and then beating us two nothing, right? So those have been their last five games, and so you know my uh, my thought is we go out there and we get a tie, or you know heck we got to win. It's a totally different story, but if we go out there and get a tie, that sets us up to be in a really good position. And I'm saying that mainly because I'm looking at Madison's remaining schedule, and I'm looking at Tormenta's remaining schedule, and I don't feel that they have nearly the same um, lo- the level of opponents they have is much higher. I mean, you've got they've got Richmond that's been hot. They've got Madison. This is what I'm talking about. They've got North Texas. They've got Tucson, which has been hit or miss, and they've got Lansing. That's a tough ending four. Sure, and you know Tucson wa- has been very good until this last game that they played at home against Lansing. They've been very good at home. Madison's got three of their four on the road against teams that are looking to play spoiler or, you know, looking to upset them uh, playing Richmond. Richmond's going to give them a game. Uh, North Texas is always good. Tucson's good at home. And then Lansing, which is, I mean, it's a really big rivalry game. That last game of the season, Lansing is going to be very excited to kick the Mingos out of the playoffs on that last day of the season. Yeah, and I think that that's the one rivalry that actually seems to be building properly. Like it's building with uh, that that'll be something that would build on the field, right? And I know that the from following Twitter and such that there's a, a contingent of fans from Madison that are planning on taking a bus down. So there'll be some Madison fans there. It could create a fun little atmosphere. Um, you know, I don't know where on the baseball pitch they'll be sitting that they can actually watch the game, but. Um, <laughs> It's still, it'll still be something that'll be, you know, it'll matter. Even if they've already clinched, I think it'll matter to Lansing to put up a good fight there. Um, no, and, for sure. And what's what I'm intrigued by and and curious of is if North Texas was to stumble a little bit in the next couple games, right? So if North Texas was to lose to Richmond and to Tormenta, and Madison and Lansing beats us and then follows that up with another win, you could be looking at a situation where they could be thinking, hey, we have a chance to have home field, and their home field is obviously a significant advantage because of the fact that they they play where they play in that baseball stadium. That, that game could end up having some pretty big impact there in the final game of the year. And that's the other thing I worry about is how much impact is that final game going to matter to these other teams? Like Lansing will more than likely have it locked up. North Texas will more than likely have it locked up. Will Greenville already have third locked up? Right. Because that that's why I put so much into this game versus Lansing. Like, we got to get a point there. And I, I, I still hold a tie is like a victory when they've been playing as well as they have, and we haven't on the road. I very much agree. 
And so one of the ones that I had was FC Tucson sneaking up as a dark horse towards the end of this season because of how many home games that they had remaining. And um, the loss to Lansing has made it in, in Alex's crystal ball the really bad predictions that I've made. I, I haven't really tracked very well how many of those I've gotten wrong. We'll just say most. And <laughs> But looking at it right now, that loss to Lansing has kind of made it hard for Tucson to catch the, uh, the group ahead of them in the standings. So it really is kind of coming down to Tormenta, to Madison. What's Greenville going to do? Are they going to lock up third place? Are they going to end up in fourth um, so it's nice when you look at this for the Red Wolves, they do control their own destiny. Uh, if they will come out with the quality that we have been told and we have seen very small flashes of, they really can um, control their destiny and put themselves in the playoffs. Yeah. And I still hold, I'd prefer, if North Texas holds on to the first place spot, I prefer fourth. I don't want to go to Lansing because I don't want to have to play in that crappy field. It's not because that would of be fear. terrible, but you know, I mean, it's going to be what it is. And I just finish, finish in the top four, whatever happens after that, you can't control. Just, just get in the top four, control these next four games and get yourselves in that position and then deal with yeah. whatever happens after that. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So ultimately this weekend could have gone really, really badly for us. If the games had gone the other direction, we could be sitting here going, it's going to take help from this team and help from that team, and we didn't end up with that. So that was kind of a big, you know, whew, that was close type situation because it could have very easily been a situation where we're sitting here talking about how do we get there as opposed to you take care of your business and you're there. So I'm still feeling pretty positive. Which And just if we, if we could have won this game, how much happier we all would be this weekend or, or today looking at that table, if we were the ones sitting in third place, we'd be sitting in third place. Yeah. I 35 st- points. I still hold, if we, when we look back on the season, it won't be games versus Toronto. It, it will be games versus Orlando, especially the one we gave up in the 92nd minute that we'll be kicking ourselves for. Yeah. But, all right, so continuing down the Lansing, Lansing line, we've kind of talked a little bit about how hot they are and all that, but specifically is there a player you're looking at and saying this is who we have to shut shut down so i found out there's a fun local connection with lansing rafa mensigan is a player who really gave our defense fits uh, especially at the beginning of the match uh that we played against them uh in july he played at least he played one season at bryan college and then transferred to another school up in the midwest and that's how he ended up getting signed with lansing ignite um, he's a player, um, the Toomey that I referenced is another one that I am, I am worried about. Um, I think those are the two guys that we really have to look to keep an eye on and contain in order to allow ourselves to possess that ball and have a chance to kind of counterattack and go at them. So do you feel like this will be another game where we, come out with the 4-3-3 or do you think we'll stick with the 4-4-2 going off of trying to contain those type of because they've got a lot of those fast front players which way which way do you think he's going to lean I feel he I feel like he is someone who is not going to just make a switch for one game he went 24 games with this 4-3-3 
trying to figure out if they were going to be able to to learn to play this system or do what needed to be done. I think you you're happy with the result that you got out of the 442 in Toronto. He's going to stick with it for another match. He's not going to just one match we're doing this and the next match we're going to go back to something different. Like I said, the players that he had sat last Friday didn't necessitate playing a 442 versus the 443. He could have easily arranged those guys in that formation if that's what he wanted to play. So I really think he's going to stick with it. I was wondering if it might change just based on the field, it being a narrower pitch, anything like that. But I don't see him making that change just yet. What about, do you think we're going to see um, Zaid and Ami still there? Or do you think we might see some of the younger guys back on that lineup? Yeah, I think it's possible to see the younger guys again. Um, here again, I think the four four two lends itself better to those players. Yaya and, and Alexi Jaimez are both kind of speedy wing players. And so I would say that those are guys that he would bring along. It gives him that option for switching someone onto the field. Either he's going to take Eamon off or he may start with a combination of Greg Hurst and Stephen Beattie up front and then allow Eamon to be a super sub. So I think that does give him some more options, and he has those guys that he can put on the wing if he would need uh, to substitute one of those players for, uh, for a wing player. So one of the things that we've talked about in the past when it comes to, I don't know how the, the best way to word this, but when it comes to our slight frustration with our bench is that we usually carry a smaller bench than a lot of the other teams have within League One when they've traveled. With this being the last road match, any chance we bring a larger bench, you think? I think it's a possibility. I would love to see it here here again, just to have more possibilities and options based on how the game is going to uh, to be able to put people in and, and put them in the right places to try to affect the game. Yeah, because so so like for me, like I'm looking at what what did South Georgia bring up to Madison when they came, right? So they uh-huh. were just there, and they brought with them, including their their keeper, so or let's exclude them, they brought six field players. We traditionally bring four field players. Right. I would like for us to bring the extra player. I can't believe it would cost that much in money, and it's our last road game, and it's a game that it's a must, in my mind, it's a must-tie, and if it's a win, it puts you in the driver's seat for that playoff position. Sure. And so I would love for them to... Just adding to what they brought last time. Now, what was funny about what they brought last time was Colin Falvey was on the bench. Colin Falvey goes with them to every game, but he's not always named as a player, right? Right. Which I found interesting because I thought to myself, why haven't we at least named Falvey as a sub? Like, what's the reasoning behind that if he's going to be there anyways? So we have another option, right? Like, I don't know. That that was just an interesting thing to me. But so they only really brought three additional guys on this trip to Toronto. I would love to see if you're going to bring back Yaya and Alexi, bring them in addition to so you have that change up on the bench of speed sure. because that's the one thing we didn't really have on the bench was to bring in like a a true striking speedster in like a Yaya. Yes. And so I would have liked to have still seen him there. Like when I looked at the bench, seeing Colin Falvey there was like, oh, that's kind of odd that we chose to to put put Dadbot out there. But um, 
if we're going to do it, let's do it every time. Like, why are we? Why don't we just? I know he's he's assistant coaching a lot, but how much I is am he doing all in for game? anything that gives us more Colin Falvey. Yes, and uh, we'll be there to recruit him as he's announcing his retirement for a cloudy with a chance of handballs. <laughs> that seems like a smart move on your part. Your team goes immediately from being one that's that's in the 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 lower leagues to like uh, you guys have to play higher. That's all. I no, he's to. only going to play with his off foot. <laughs> He'll only play with his off foot so we can stay in Division Three. <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right, so last thing I really want to talk about when it comes to looking at the Lansing thing is I keep referencing it myself on what I'm wanting or expecting. What are you expecting to have be the, t- the result? Based off the happy results that I saw from our attacking our attacking group, I would say another 2-2 draw, maybe a 3-2 win. Dude, seriously, what's wrong with you? You're never optimistic. I am I know. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm excited. We'll see what happens. Right. I, you know, the like you've said, they're going to score goals on us. You look at the at their record as well. They give up goals. If you actually try to score on them, you can score on them. Um, so I, I see this being kind of a high scoring match, one that's going to be end to end and, uh, they've been there before. So they have a general idea of how the pitch plays and how stuff is, or is, you know, situated inside the baseball stadium. So I don't think it's going to be kind of a, oh, we're feeling this out. We're not sure what we're going to be able to do. So I see it being kind of a, a track meet. So I, I'm with you with the two, two score. I think it's going to go one of two ways. We're going to see a 2-2 draw, or we're going to get just smokehoused out of the building, and it's going to be like 5-1. It will be one of the two, and it won't be a close fight. Like It won't be like where it was like 2-1 to one into the 70th minute, and then they just pal it on. It'll be like, it's halftime, we're down 3-0 type thing. Okay. It's going to either and be that. Alex will be taking a week-long timeout from Twitter, because Lansing Ignite <laughs> folks, they are feeling themselves right now yeah i think it's going to either be that or it's going to be the 2-2 draw i think it's that if we're at halftime if we're still tied or even have a lead then it's going to end up at a tie (laughs) like (laughs) um if they're up at halftime i think they finish us off so i'll tell you in the in the results i'm kind of bullish on the results but alex's fun stat for this we are zero seven and five when the other team scores first, we have yet to come back and win a game. Now five draws is pretty impressive, but here again, you talk about the Orlando games and and I think you're right that we couldn't get a result against a team that is having a terrible year is going to come back and bite us. But if we could have found a way to come back in any of these games where we surrendered the first goal, one or two of them, um, you know, that's just it's one of those things that hurts in half half of the season. You know, 50 percent of the games we've surrendered the first goal. So getting that first goal appears to be a pretty crucial thing for this team. Right. No, no you're 100 percent correct on that. I, is you think that, that that's one of those stats that just. Stays the same. Or you think it's that fluke that, it, you know, law of averages, we have to at some point get one right. Like, is it one of those, or do you think it's just, no, no, that's just the team makeup. Like, we are better playing ahead. 
yeah, I think it's a team makeup thing. And I'm, if <laughs> I don't know, it feels here again, it feels like the way that they were playing in that four, 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 three, three, um, that once they went a goal down, they just, they weren't able or willing to fight, to come back and, and take the, take the game. Yep. I'll, I'll give you that. That seems fair. All right, well, let's move on. We had a a pretty exciting weekend in the Chattanooga area, even with the team out of town. Uh, A couple different appearances with players and things at uh, different festivals. Um, Downtown Transcard, the the team sponsor for Chattanooga Red Wolves, the jersey sponsor, uh, partnered to do a uh, Life's a Beautiful Ride festival in Miller Park downtown. And uh, word on the street is that you were there. I was. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was a nice little setup. They had some food trucks. They had a blow up foosball that I think the kids thought was dodgeball, but nonetheless, a blow up foosball game set up. They've got some live bands and just. It was kind of laid back, and there were some players that came out. The ones that hadn't traveled up for the game on Friday afternoon. Um, it, it. You know, overall, I thought it was a good setup. It wasn't massively crowded, um, but it was still a good a good uh, turnout nonetheless. We've uh, we've had some really hot weather in Chattanooga, but once the sun goes down, it tends to be pretty nice. So uh, once a once it got kind of dark, the uh, the music was loud, but that's just the old man in me. Um, <laughs> but it was a really nice evening to just kind of sit and hang around and listen to some decent music. Yeah, and uh, meet we'll talk with the players and some of the staff and stuff that's going on. So yeah, and the the. Um... They weren't the only tent there. The, the Red Bulls had a tent. There was a couple other um, vendors that were out there um, selling various items and such. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. I would like to see them do it again. Um, it was fun, and um, I think everybody that, that came down enjoyed their time. So then Saturday, they um, my son had his soccer games at Camp Jordan Complex in East Ridge. And in the area where they have kind of a playground and they had a stage and everything, the Eastridge City was doing Pioneer Fest and the Red Wolves were there as well. So after my son was done with his games for the day, we wandered across and hung out with some folks at the tent and uh, got to see some of the stuff. Of course, as soon as my son saw there was a bouncy castle, he was all for it and constantly begging to go into the bouncy castle. Um, That was a lot of fun. And, uh, to me, hanging out, talking with the uh, front office staff that was there manning the tent and just kind of watching the crowd as they came through, um, it wasn't as large a crowd because it was the middle of the day and it was really hot outside. But there was a decent group of people and folks that were constantly coming by and they were all just they would come up to the tent, were very excited, were buying T-shirts, were you know picking up the free keychains that they were handing out. Or talking to folks about what was going on and letting them, you know, telling them how excited they were that Eastridge, uh, that the Red Wolves were coming to Eastridge, um, seeing the pictures of what the stadium was going to look like. You know, I know their artist renderings. How are you supposed to expect them to play soccer when they can't even fit inside the building? <laughs> but it all looks really cool. And I just, I would tell people that, you know, there was a lot of mockery that was sent towards them for choosing to be in that Eastridge site. But I seen the excitement of the folks in Eastridge in getting something like this and the development that's going along with it. 
um, you know, they confirmed that it actually, if you're driving into Eastra, into the Camp Jordan arena, the there's an area that's cleared off. That is going to be Top Golf. That's confirmed. They're getting it ready to start building Top Golf right there. Champies has already taken down uh, whatever building that was. I guess it was the Shoney's. Yeah, where they're going to be building place. their location. Um, so they're getting ready to start constructing that. So there's things that are already coming and things that are going to follow on top of this stadium build that has the entire city really excited. Not to mention, you know, we get my son to practice at Eastridge in 20 minutes from where I live on the on the west side of Chattanooga. People in Ottawa are probably telling themselves, gosh, we're like 20, 30 minutes closer to a stadium for a top-level soccer team um, than having to drive all the way downtown. People from Hickson can get there in 20 minutes. Um, I think it really is the sort of thing that's going to be very exciting. All of these families that are there in the middle of the day Saturday that are going to say, you know what? Our son's got a game at 11 o'clock. We're going to play that game. We can go hang out at the Top Golf or go shop at Bass Pro Shops. We can eat at Champies, and then we're going to go to the 7 o'clock soccer game. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think, think you're it's going to be surprised at how people are going to embrace this once that stadium gets built. And in they just they just started sending out notifications that you can start putting deposits down for season tickets if you're not a current season ticket holder. Um, it puts you in line right behind the, the 2019 season ticket holders for tickets in the new stadium. And they refer to them as tickets in the new stadium. Um, so they're still planning on being ready in Eastridge, which says to me that's got to be a modular stadium that they're putting in there, which is not to say temporary. That's Some people hear modular, they think they hear temporary. It just means it's being constructed somewhere else in parts and then, you know, finished here. You know, sure. Which is what they kind of do at a lot of, you know, um, automobile plants. And nobody thinks, well, my car's temporary and they're going to take it apart later. It, like, it's legitimately like the point, it's being built in large portions, I think, somewhere else and then put together here. It's the only way they get to that by that deadline that they put in there. But some of the things that are within that, on that website that they have for where you can put in that deposit, they've got some more specifics about some hospitality offerings. And I want to go over kind of, high level on what some of those are. So you've got a, a beer garden and keg house, which is going to have um, some local beers and what they refer to as national classics. Yeah, that really made me laugh. <laughs> just just trying to assure people that they're going to have Bud Light and Mick Ultra on tap as well, those national classics. Yeah. Uh, there's a kid's corner, which I think if you watch a Madison game, you'll get an idea somewhat of what this is because you can see it in the background um, there at their stadium is like a kid's corner. So it's the southwest corner of the stadium. They're going to have like a, uh, a game with activities called soccer darts, soccer mini golf, beanbag toss, and some other stuff. So that's kind of cool. There's already, even at, at CCS, there's already kind of an area that kids go to hang out. It's a huge hill that they roll down and they play on and, and that sort of stuff. So it's good to see that they're thinking of that. Um, and then from there, they've got a few things that are kind of when you start getting into kind of the higher end stuff. they got a party deck that's reservable um, for company outings, holiday parties, things like that. Um, it's connected right next to the beer garden via some stairs. They said there's going to be a pub tucked on the second floor of the West Building that'll have general public access to the pub before, during, and after the matches, but it'll also be available for viewing parties for away matches. That'll which, be lovely. Yeah, which I thought was cool. Um, doesn't mean you have to use the viewing mat that for viewing matches, but if there's already a cool place with, that's going to have the game on, 
that makes life a lot easier to figure out where you're going to watch it. Um, and then ultimately they're going to have a, uh, executive club, which is a non-suite option offering sight lines to climate controlled, full service, luxury lounge, restaurant, and bar. So I thought that was kind of cool. Also something I probably won't be able to afford. Uh, but so ultimately, like, and there's a few other things that are on there and you can go to the, the, you might not have been able to afford it before the podcast money. Oh, that's true. I always forget about that mad podcast money. Uh, but yeah, so there's, there's other things out there as well that, that you can go on the website and look at. They talk about um, a few of those things, which are like sky suites and field suites, which are honestly things I'm not interested in. I, I don't enjoy a game as much from a suite. I've, I saw a few CFC games from my employer's suite because nobody ever got the tickets. And one of the managers in the department I was in just started asking if he could get the tickets. And we went there on one of the games where it was like pouring, pouring rain. And that was like the only time I was very thankful to have it. But, uh, and there was also a game, I think in late June that we went to, that it was like 98 degrees and we were glad to be in the AC. But ultimately like we've gotten those, we got those suites a couple times through my employer. And ultimately we were like, yeah, let's just go down to the stands. This just isn't the same. So I don't see myself spending money on that. And then they mentioned the entertainment district, which I don't know is going to be right away, but that's what you kind of referenced a little bit. Outside of even their establishment, you've got that Champies that you read the article from when Champies chose to go there. They referenced the Red Wolf Stadium being built. There's a they I don't think they come to Eastridge if that stadium's not being built. Top golf, I think, was coming no matter what. Uh, sure. but I do believe that the combination of this stadium and Topgolf and Champies and other things, you know, the joke that, that a lot of people that are anti-Red Bulls in the area like to make is enjoy your Applebee's and your Chili's. I'm sorry, Champies is not an Applebee's or a Chili's. And uh, there's other local restaurants like Wally's that has been in Eastridge for years. Hey, you know what's downtown? Or used to be? Applebee's and Chili's. Yeah. Exactly. Chili's is still there. Applebee's is closed because it's in a terrible location. But, I mean, come on. Anyway, I mean, you know, that's one of the things that people would say, you know, hey, let's all go to Eastridge, said no one ever. But I've lived in I've lived in Chattanooga for almost 15 years. And, uh, you know, other people that have lived here longer from what they've said. 20, 20 years ago, no one said, hey, let's go hang out downtown. So those things change and, you know, stuff develops and things move. And so I, I'm excited for what they're talking about with the stadium. Um, you know, they're talking about kind of partially. So they'll have the stands in place. There may not be as much of the kind of surrounding. Um, the entertainment district, as it? they're calling it. Well, yeah, the entertainment district. But what I'm saying is like the the paddocks and all the kind of stuff that goes around where they've got all the different um merchandise stalls and concession stands and things are probably not going to be there. They're going to have the stands and the, and the field ready so that they can play in 2020. And in 2021, they'll be able to finish kind of building the shell around it to make it a permanent stadium. Gotcha. And that makes sense. Honestly, like what's most important is that they have their own location. And, you know, I, I've talked with people that, that, know a lot, like I mentioned in the last podcast, like about Finley and how much they make their money off of beer sales, right? It's like right. 70% of concessions is beer sales. They've got to get to that point. I've got to believe that, um, you know, that, that Chattanooga Red, Red Wolf Ale 
is going to sell a lot better at the stadium than it has been selling other places, and I am sure they're ready to start selling that sucker at a stadium because you're going to yeah. see that there, like you know, things like that. That I'm I'm very much looking forward. It makes me happy that that this is coming out, and it is not it is not just kind of saying come to our new stadium. It's talking about specifics that'll be at the stadium. So right. that's them still holding on and saying this is going to happen. So yeah, that's all exciting news. Also, just so that they know, if there is not a place for Charlie's to be selling barbecue in that stadium, I am chaining myself to the bulldozer. <laughs> What's sad is that's probably true. All right, Alex, let's turn our world, or turn our ourselves a little bit towards the world soccer. Uh, there was some uh, international soccer this last week, as well as you know some MLS. You got anything specifically you want to talk about? Nothing really important happened in MLS, right? Oh, there was something that was earth-shattering in MLS. I just I just want to throw out Brian Fernandez with the wonder goal. Um, my other my my previous Timber man crush, Diego Valeri, made a pretty good move to send across for Brian Fernandez to head home. The uh, Portland Timbers came back from a goal down, scoring in the 83rd and then the 94th minute to win the game. Uh, huge win for them in playoff position. That now puts them in sixth place. So it was very exciting. And Providence Park went berserk. If you watch the highlight, if you can find the highlight on Facebook or uh, YouTube or whatever, wherever you look for that sort of thing, um, it's awesome to see the celebration from the players and from the fans when he scores that goal. So MLS sixth place. Where does that? I'm not an MLS guy. I've tried. I just can't do it. Um, like I already watch League One, which is lower level soccer. Um, I went to a um, college that was at the time NAIA, so I've I've got a lot of experience watching lesser soccer play. I just can't do it when they're trying to pretend to be something they're not. And so I just haven't got it into MLS. Sixth place, is that the final or is it seventh place that's the final spot? Right. Seventh place is the final playoff spot. The first place team gets a bye. Okay. Because that was always weird. I was like, 17? Two two through six play each other. You end up with four and then they continue on in a regular bracket. Okay. How so they right now they would be matched up against Minnesota where they've played twice and lost twice. So that's not thrilling, but it was just a, a good moment for them to playoff race. So I'm looking at the, the standings right now and it's like looking at league one standings. Like these guys second has played 29 games. and has 46 points. Eighth place, which is the first place out has only played 28 games. and has 42 points legitimately. The team that's currently first out, which the LA Galaxy, could win their next game and move all the way up to third. That's crazy. That's really tight. Yes, Western Conference, especially, I believe, has been really tight, especially down, you know, down low. LAFC has been pretty much on cruise control. Um, so, yeah, I was excited for Timbers winning that match. That's really all I wanted to do was bring up the fact that Brian Fernandez scored a goal. And uh, that's all that I had in the MLS region. <laughs> um, international soccer this morning, I rewatched Friday's Netherlands Germany game. That second half was a lot of fun. Five goals were scored. Controversial handball penalty was given. Uh, 
that was a lot of fun. Other than I, that, I haven't paid too much attention. I thought you were about to say you rewatched the Mexico US game, and I was like, what? Why would you do that to yourself? In order to rewatch it, I would have had to watch it to begin with. Our Friday, we were at the Life's a Beautiful Ride Festival. We got back late, so I didn't have a chance to really check out what happened with that. Um, but I saw the score, and um, so we're all on um, hashtag Fire Burhalter, right? Is that pretty much where we all are? Oh, I was on hashtag Why Did You Hire Burhalter. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought, hey, a mediocre MLS coach, that's a good decision. Um, I personally, like the... The Arsenal fan of me just keeps hoping for a Wenger announcement. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he wants to get back into coaching. He doesn't want to stay in England. Bring him over. Like, I'll take it. So, no, I, I, I don't care. Like, and I've said this before. I struggle to care about these international matches that really don't mean anything. Like, yeah, Mexico beat us three nothing. Woohoo. It doesn't matter. It didn't affect literally anything. Uruguay is going to probably beat us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect anything. I, I'm at a, you know, we're at the stage where we're at the beginning of a World Cup cycle. It's pretty obvious we were at a point where we needed to kind of move from one generation of national team players to the next. So we're going to have to take these lumps because we need to be playing younger players like Josh Sargent and Serginho Dest and you know, even Jordan Morris, he's going to be an old hand. We need to give Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams time to kind of figure this stuff out. And so you're going to have these sorts of games. And yeah, when it's a friendly and you're, you're, you can't be too focused on these results. Cause like you said, it does not mean anything. That's the thing. The struggle for the U S fan is recognizing that it, it doesn't mean anything. And like actually understanding that, like even the CONCACAF nations cup that's coming up in October really doesn't matter. Like it doesn't like, we don't care. Nobody really cares about the nation's cup. And and, and so the hard part is recognizing that, that the point of this is to make them better. But at the same time, watching the person that's doing it seeming so inept. Right. And I just don't know how to balance those two things. Like, how do I balance, like, is it young players or is it poor coaching? Like, which one is it? And that's my struggle. So, no, I don't want to spend too much time on it because, like I said, I don't think it matters at this point. I don't think we really care that much about it. Um I think we care a little bit more about the Gold Cup, but we definitely don't care about a friendly versus Mexico in, in September of 2019. Like, it's not it's not close enough to the World Cup to really matter. No, and, I mean, I would love for them to schedule someone else. I believe before the Gold Cup, they played a friendly against Mexico, or maybe immediately after the Gold Cup, in which they played the final against Mexico, they played a friendly against Mexico before stuff got going with fall seasons for international soccer for, you know, club soccer. I just can we play someone else? The, you know, you keep putting yourselves on the field with that team. Everyone naturally compares ourselves with them. You're just not doing yourself any favors and it's, it's getting kind of old playing them. Yeah. Let's play someone else. Well, we get to play Cuba and Canada. What's Japan doing? Maybe call New Zealand. 
We get oh, to play- Canada. Let's start a rivalry with Canada. I think that's when we might be able to win. <laughs> we actually will be playing Canada because they're in our group in the CONCACAF Nations League. So right, we will be what, playing them in the next window. That's what I'm saying. Like we play Cuba and Canada and then we play Canada and Cuba. Like that's the next four games. <laughs> so, and even that doesn't really matter that much. So I'll take that, you hosers. <laughs> well done. All right. Do you have anything else for us, Alex, before we close this sucker up? No, not really. I had a thing about airing of grievances, but I really don't have it worked up. And I kind of had to skip dinner because we were talking to my mom. So I'm hungry. <laughs> I'll save I'll save Alex's airing of grievances for next week because it's an evergreen topic. <laughs> Literally, our our podcast is shorter today, folks, because Alex is hungry. There is no better coverage for soccer chat than, dude, we're shortening this sucker up right now. Because I want to go eat. And me being like, that seems fair. I almost had to go back a third time because I was this close to buying a bottle of chocolate milk to mix in for the uh, muffins as opposed to regular milk. Wait, is that a thing? They have like a little mini thing of chocolate milk. No, I mean using chocolate milk instead of milk. So I was trying to say was I almost bought chocolate milk instead of regular milk. Oh, see, I thought you were saying you went back to go get chocolate milk for your muffins. Like, wait, have I been missing out on something this whole time? It'll be interesting to see how I choose to cut that up to make that into the <laughs> intro. <laughs> uh.